We are saved through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross because God not only wants to take us to heaven when we die, but He wants us to live for Him while we're on this earth. Preaching the old-time gospel with a fresh anointing to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. Getting saved is more than just a ticket to heaven. It's the beginning of living with and for Jesus Christ. Today, Brian Tyndall brings us a study from the book of John, chapter 21, as the resurrected Jesus asked the apostle Peter, Do you love me? It's a challenge to you and me to know and to follow Jesus. So turn in your Bible to John chapter 21, beginning at verse 15, for a message entitled, Faithful Followers of Jesus Christ. Here's Brian. Today I'm going to be in John chapter 21, beginning with verse 15. And the scripture says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you guarded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will guard you and carry you where you do not wish. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will, that he remains till I come. What is that to you, Peter? You follow me. And that's my prayer for all of us today, is that we would know the Lord Jesus Christ personally, even as Peter knew the Lord personally, and that we would follow him in our lives. And I really believe that is the biblical test of whether we really do know the Lord Jesus Christ or not. If we really do know him, if we really have entered into a relationship with him, if we really have been born again by the power of the Spirit of God into the family of God, then I believe the way we will know that is we will become genuine followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what God was calling Peter to in this passage of Scripture. He was calling him not only to know him and be in relationship with him, but he was calling Peter to take uh, a third step and even a more uh, important step, and that was to follow him, to make him not only savior of his life, but to make him Lord of his life. He was saying, Peter, I want you to be in my family. I want to do a work of salvation in your life, but equally, I want you to allow me to be Lord of your life. I want you to allow me to sit on the throne of your life. And Peter, I not only want you to know me intellectually, I not only want you to know me relationally, I want you to know what it is to get up every day of your life and follow me in obedience to live your life in the center of my will for your life. And today as we look at this passage of scripture and as we look at the life of Peter, I want us to reflect 
on our own lives and on our own relationship with Jesus Christ, as we look into Peter's life in this passage of Scripture, I want us to allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to our own hearts about our own personal lives and our own personal relationship with Jesus Christ as we see what God was doing in Peter's life in this passage of Scripture. The very first thing I see when I read this Scripture is actually something that's not even written here. The first thing I see when I look at this passage of Scripture, it causes me to remember Peter's past. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ. And not only was Peter one of the 12, but out of those 12, as you read the New Testament, you discover that there was an inner circle. There was a group within that 12 disciples of three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that were even closer to Jesus Christ. And Peter was one of those three. Uh, And yet Peter had a past. Peter was not always the shining example of what a Christian ought to be. Peter was not always a person that knew the Lord and was saved. Peter was not always a person that was following Christ and and living in the will of God and seeking to, to bear spiritual fruit in his life. Peter is just like us. Peter is a regular person that had a regular job, that was living a regular life. And one day, he had an encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ. And when we go back in Scripture, we see that. We see that Peter was a fisherman, that he was just uh, doing hard manual labor. He was uh, just trying to work and earn a living. He was just trying to look after a family. Uh, he was trying to do the things that most of us are trying to do in our daily life. He, he didn't begin in Scripture as this spiritual giant that knew Christ and was following Christ and doing great things for Christ. He began as a regular man, just like us, living a regular life and he did not even know who Jesus Christ was and he didn't even know that he had a need for Jesus Christ much less that he needed to follow Christ and many of us may be in that position today you you may say Brian uh, I, I you know I'm doing the best that I can I'm working hard every day I'm, I'm seeking to provide for my family I'm seeking to be a good citizen I'm seeking to be a uh, patriotic I'm seeking to do the right thing but I'm busy in my life I'm busy just seeking to make it and to try to pay my bills. I'm sure that Peter felt that way before he met Jesus. But one day, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And my prayer for all of us is that our lives would not be so busy, that our lives would not be so consumed with the physical things of this world that we would fail to have a life-changing encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ. Because just like Peter encountered Christ, you and I need to encounter Christ. Just like Peter came to recognize who Jesus was, you and I need to come to recognize who Jesus was. And it was a powerful moment in Peter's life. He had begun to seek and follow Jesus, but he wasn't necessarily saved. He he wasn't necessarily uh, born again, uh, but he was seeking. He was following Jesus, and he was listening to Jesus teach, and he was watching Jesus' example. And through 
that process, God was doing a work in Peter's life, and he was slowly but surely drawing Peter through the power of the Holy Spirit into a relationship with Christ. He was slowly using the words of Jesus Christ. You and I would say using the words of Scripture to reveal who Jesus was and the fact that Peter needed Jesus to do a work in his life. God's also doing that in our life. Whether you realize it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, Jesus Christ is something that you need in your life. And God is working daily through the power of the Holy Spirit in different ways, in ways that you might not even realize, so that you can hear the Word of God, so that Jesus Christ can be revealed to you, so that you can come to know who Jesus is, and so that you can come to know that you have a a need for Jesus Christ in your own life. I love that moment in Peter's life in Scripture when he finally sees Jesus for who he is. And he finally has this revelation and he puts his faith in Christ personally. Jesus is with his disciples and he turns to Peter and he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? He wasn't asking him, who does the priest say that I am? Who do the Sadducees or Pharisees say that I am? Who do the other disciples say that I am? He looked at Peter and he said, Peter, I want you to tell me, who do you say that I am? And Peter came with this profound statement. He said, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And my friends, I'm here to tell you something. Jesus said to him, he said, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed that to you. What a powerful moment in Peter's life. What a powerful moment. And I believe with all my heart that each of us need a moment like that in our lives when God does a work through the power of the Holy Spirit and through his word and he draws us to know who Christ is and he draws us to recognize our need of who Christ is and he draws us to make a public profession and confession that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ is the only Savior and that we need him in our life. And my friends, when that happens, it's just like Jesus told Peter. When that event happens, that's not a work of man. That's not something that happens in the flesh or by the power of the flesh. When we come to recognize who Jesus is, and when we come to recognize our need of Jesus Christ, and when we come to the point that we're willing to humble ourselves and confess him as Lord and Savior of our lives, none of that happens through the will or the work of the flesh, but that is the work of God. That is the work of the power of the Holy Spirit in our life as he is revealing Christ and as he is revealing our own personal need for Christ. My friends, I ask you today, has there ever been a moment in your past where you had this type of encounter with Jesus that Peter had? Has there ever been a moment in your life where you had this moment of confession and profession that Peter had in recognizing who Jesus was and saying, Lord, I personally know you. I personally recognize who you are. I personally believe that you are the Messiah, that you are the Savior of the world, that you are the one that can save me from my sin. And I am putting my faith 
in you. Have you ever had an experience like that? We all need that type of experience. We can't go on what our mother and father think about Christ. We can't go on what our preacher thinks about Christ. You can't go on what I say about Christ. You need to come to a point in your life. We all need to come to a point in our life where we personally see Christ for who he is and where we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. When I remember Peter's past, I remember that he had many failures. And probably as you listen to this radio broadcast today, you say, Brian, as I think about my past, I I remember many times that I have failed the Lord as well. As a matter of fact, that's why most of us don't like to think about our past very much, uh, because when we give serious contemplation to our past, it very quickly becomes apparent that none of us have lived the kind of lives that we should have lived, that we could have lived, that God would have wanted us to live. We all have many, many mistakes in our past. And that's one of the things I see in Peter's life. Before he came to acknowledge Christ as Savior and Lord of his life, and even after he came to acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord of his life, Peter had failures in his life. I think of things like uh, Peter uh, had a quick temper. Peter would get mad very quickly, and and that was something that we see uh, in his life. Even even uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, the soldiers come into the garden to get Jesus, and Peter's there, and he whips out a sword and cuts off one of the soldiers' ears, and Jesus has to rebuke him. That's just Peter. He he's emotional. He he sometimes lets his emotions get the best of him, and and cause him problems in his life. Can you relate to that? I can relate to that. You see, Peter. Peter was a real person with real issues and real problems and real sin and real failure. And that doesn't discourage me. It encourages me as I realize that Peter had failures in his life and I have failures in my life. Peter also had trouble with faith. There was occasions when Peter uh, had faith and he was following the Lord and, and, and seemed like he was going in the right direction. And then you remember there was a time when Jesus came walking out on the water and the disciples were in the boat and Peter wanted to get out of the boat and walk on the water and come to Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, get out of the boat, come to me. And he got out of the boat and he took a couple of steps on the water, walking by faith. And then he began to look at the waves and he began to look at the uh, at the reality physically of the situation. And I'm sure he began to think, there, you know, I can't walk on water. This isn't natural. This isn't something that I should be able to do. And he began to sink and he had to cry out to the Lord. You know, I, I can relate to that because many times in my life, I wanted to have faith in God. I wanted to have faith in Christ. I wanted to live a life by faith, but only to realize that there were times that I didn't do that, only to realize that there were times that my faith faltered, that my faith was weak. And my friends, probably many of you can relate to that type of thing in Peter's life. There were times where Peter just absolutely blew it, where Peter just absolutely got it wrong. I remember one time uh, Jesus was talking with Peter, and he was telling Peter and the other disciples that he needed to go to the cross and, and to die for the sins of man. And when Peter realized that Jesus was talking about going to the cross and dying, Peter said to uh, Jesus, he said, I, I, I'm not going to let you do that. I, I, I refuse to let you go to the cross. And Jesus rebuked Peter in a very hard way. He said, get behind me, Satan. And, you know, I think about my own life. 
even though I want to follow Christ, even though I know I need to follow Christ, I look back at times in my life where I failed the Lord, where uh, in many ways I, I was standing in the way of what God wanted to do in my life. I was standing in opposition to the will of God and to the Word of God. And probably if the Lord would have been present physically with me in those moments, he could have very easily said to me the same thing that he said to Peter. He could have said, Brian, in this moment, you're acting more like Satan than you are Jesus. You're acting more like a child of Satan than you are acting like a child of God. And my friends, I believe we can relate to that. I believe if we're honest about our past that we can all see what the Bible says, and that is that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, that the Bible says there's not one of us that's righteous, no, not one, that the Bible says that the best that we have to offer God is like filthy rags. That's what I see when I look at my past. I see that I have failed. I see that I have made mistakes. I see that I have sinned. And that's what I see when I look at Peter's life as well. Peter sinned greatly. Probably the thing that he's most well known for uh, as far as failures are concerned is on the night that Jesus was betrayed and taken to the high priest, uh, Peter was following at a distance. And as he followed at a distance, a young girl saw him, and she recognized him as being one of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus. And she said to Peter, you're one of the disciples. You're one of his followers. And Peter said, no, I'm not. I don't know Jesus. I'm not one of his followers. And then she continued on. She said, yes, I I know that you're one of the disciples. I'm sure that you're one of them. And Peter denounced with loud words and harsh words. He said, no, I'm not. I don't even know the man. I don't know Jesus. I'm not one of his followers. And then finally, the girl just kept on and on insisting that Peter was one of the disciples. And in fear, Peter began to curse. And even with profanity, he denied the third time that he even knew Jesus Christ, much less that he was one of his followers. And my friends, You may say, Brian, I've never publicly denied Jesus Christ. I've never publicly denied that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Savior, that Jesus is Lord. But but you know what? I've never publicly denied him either, not in that way. But when I look back at my life, And I see that there are times that I have failed him. I see that there are times that I've disobeyed him. I see that there are times that I have not walked in the center of his will for my life. In those moments, through my sin, through my disobedience, through my going in the wrong direction, I was denying him. I was denying him the right to be Savior and Lord of my life. I was denying him the ability to have control of my life and my future and my destiny. I was taking that control in my own hand. And by my actions, by my sin, by my disobedience, I was denying him. Maybe not with my words, maybe not with my mouth, but with my actions. I was denying that I knew Christ and that I was a follower of Jesus Christ. And probably many of us, many of us today, if we look back with honesty at our past, even as we look back with honesty at Peter's past, we could see the very same thing in our life. There are times in our life that whether we denied Christ with our mouths or not, we certainly have times that we have denied him with our actions. And you say, well, Brian, that, this can be a pretty depressing sermon. And, and it would be if it stopped there. 
It would be if it stopped there. But I do want us to see that Peter had a past, and I do want us to see that we have a past, and we need to deal with that past with honesty and sincerity. We need to recognize that we, like Peter, have sinned and fallen short, and we need the forgiveness and the cleansing that can only come through Jesus Christ. And in this passage of Scripture, I see uh, not only Peter's past, I not only remember his past, but I see his present. I see that Jesus restores him in the present because in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking to Peter. And he asked him three different times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And all three times, Peter responds, yes, Lord, I do. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. What's going on here? Why is Jesus asking Peter three times? I believe he's asking him three times because I believe that he is remembering the three times that Peter denied him. And I believe he's wanting Peter to remember the three times that he denied him. And so he asked him three times, do you love me, Peter? And Peter just pours out his heart in honesty and sincerity. And he says, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I'm grieved because you're asking me this question the third time. You know my heart and you know that I love you. And What we see in this passage of Scripture, I believe, is not Jesus condemning Peter because of his past and because of his failures and because of his sin. But what I believe we see in this passage of Scripture is the very opposite of that. I believe we see Jesus restoring Peter and restoring the relationship and restoring the love that they have one for another. And and that's what I want us to see today. Our past, our sin does not have to dictate our future. You and I, like Peter, have a past, and we have sin in our past that must be dealt with. And the only one that has the power to deal with our sin is the one that dealt with Peter's sin. The only one that has the power to forgive us, the only one that has the power to cleanse our past and to cleanse our sin and to set us free from the shackles of our sin is Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing with Peter in this passage of Scripture. He was coming to Peter, and he wasn't saying to Peter, Peter, you have sinned against me in the past. You have denied me in the past. You have rebelled in the past, and therefore there's no hope for you. No, he wasn't saying that at all. Only Satan uses our sin to condemn us. Jesus Christ uses our sin to convict us and to show us of our need for a Savior. And what he's doing here in this passage of Scripture is not condemning Peter for his past, but he's saying, Peter, you have a past. You know as well as I do that you have failed, that you have sinned, that you have denied me. And he's reminding Peter of that, even through the questions that he's asking. And then he's saying to Peter, but Peter, do you love me? Is that who you really are? Or do you love me? Is that the way you want to live? Or do you want to love me? Is that the way you want to spend your life in sin and rebellion and rejection? of me or do you really love me and Peter's saying Lord I do love you I do love you and I believe today 
that every single one of us have an opportunity to turn our lives around with God's help. Every single one of us have an opportunity to have our past forgiven, to have it blotted out. Because whereas you and I have the ability to forgive, you and I do not have the ability to forget. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ has the ability to forgive and to forget. He can take our sin, and he not only can forgive us, he not only can wash our sin away with the blood of Jesus Christ, but the Bible says that he can cast our sin, our rebellion, our rejection of him. He can cast it as far as the east is from the west. He can bury it in the deepest ocean never to be remembered or to be held against us again. I believe this man, Peter, who had failed, who had rejected, who had denied Jesus Christ, who had committed many sins, I believe on this day he received the forgiveness and the cleansing and the restoration that can come only through Jesus Christ. And my friends, we need that today. Peter's not the only one that needs that. You and I need that. And you say, Brian, how can I have that? Well, by coming to Jesus Christ, just like Peter does here, by humbling ourselves in his presence, just like Peter does here, and by saying, Lord, I know that I have failed you in the past. I am confessing my sin. I am acknowledging that I have sinned and rebelled against you and you alone and against your perfect word. But today, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I'm asking for your forgiveness. I need your cleansing. I want you to take the blood of Christ and wash me clean. And my friends, the Bible is clear. The Bible says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means today, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter how bad you've sinned, no matter how far you've drifted away, no matter how bad you have rejected and denied Christ in the past, you and I have the possibility today through the grace and the mercy that's being extended to us through Jesus Christ, just as it was extended to Peter, we can have our past forgiven and we can have our past cleansed. But not only do I want you to see that Peter was restored, I want us to see the responsibility that Peter was given. You know, so many times I think that that we do see our past and we do see our failures and we do see that we need Christ to forgive us. And maybe we even come to him and we pray and we confess our sin and we ask him to forgive us and we do confess him as Savior and Lord and we do put our faith in him. But many times uh, we're guilty of wanting that to be the end of it. Lord, I want your forgiveness. I want your cleansing. Uh, I want to be in a right relationship with you. I want to know that if I die that I'll go to heaven to be with you. But now, Lord, as far as the rest of my life on earth is concerned, I want you to leave that to me. I want to, to do my own thing. Well, that's not the way it works. That's just absolutely not the way it works. If you and I are people that recognize our sin in the past, recognize our failure, and we come to Jesus Christ and we seek his forgiveness and we seek his cleansing through faith and repentance, and he gives us that forgiveness and he restores us in our relationship with Jesus Christ, then there's going to be a responsibility that's given to us just as it was given to Peter. Notice what Jesus told Peter every time he asked him, do you love me, Peter? Peter would say, yes, I love you with his mouth. And Jesus would say, then feed my sheep, then feed my lambs, then feed my sheep. What was Jesus saying to Peter? He was saying, Peter, I don't just want you to love me with your lips. I don't want you to just acknowledge me with your mouth. I don't want you to just give me lip service. 
I want you to follow me. I want you to obey me. I want you to live for me. I want you to give me your life. I want you to follow me in such a way that you are working in my kingdom, that you're working in my church, that you're serving me here on this earth. And my friends, we're not saved by what we do. We're saved only through what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he died for our sins and when he was buried and when he was raised again on the third day. We're saved through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and what he's accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But my friends, we are saved for something. And that is we're saved to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved to be workers and laborers in the kingdom of God. We are saved because God not only wants to take us to heaven when we die, but he wants us to live for him while we're on this earth. Peter was given a responsibility as he was saved, as he was forgiven, as he was restored through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. And that responsibility that he was given was to serve the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth by seeking to do his will every day, by seeking to be involved in uh, God's kingdom work here in this world. And Peter took that responsibility. We know that he took that responsibility. How do we know that? Well, there are many ways that we know it, but one of the main ways we know is this man that just a few days earlier had denied Jesus Christ three times, denied that he even knew who Jesus was, that he was even a follower of Jesus. Just a few days after this encounter, Jesus ascends into heaven, and Peter is gathered with about 120 other people in an upper room on the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And Peter is the one that stands up and begins to proclaim the word of God, begins to preach with boldness about Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is. And the scripture says that as he preached the gospel with power, as he proclaimed who Jesus Christ was on Pentecost, over 3,000 people responded publicly and put their faith in Christ and were saved and were brought into the family of God. This man... This man that had rejected Christ became one of the greatest witnesses, one of the greatest ambassadors of the gospel. And my friends, I believe that's what's going to happen in our lives. If we truly have been changed by the power of God, if we truly have recognized our need of Jesus Christ, and if we truly have come to him the way Peter came to him, and if we have been restored through the forgiveness and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ as we put our faith in him and as we repent of our sins and turn away from our sin into Christ, I believe that we're going to become workers and laborers in God's kingdom as well. And so what I would ask you today, some of you may say, I know Christ. I, I know that he's forgiven me. Uh, I know that I'm a child of God. I know that if I died that I would go to heaven. But I ask you today, are you working for him? Have you taken the responsibility of living out the Christian life?
Have you become a true servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you allowing the one that you wanted to be Savior of your life? Are you allowing him to be Lord of your life? Are you allowing him to determine what direction you're going to go every day, to what you're going to be involved in, to what you're going to be doing? Is your life's activity about you and what you want, or is your life's activity about Christ and what he wants? I believe that the responsibility that we're given once we accept Jesus Christ is to become a follower of Christ, to become a servant of Christ, to become a worker and a laborer in the kingdom of God. And I ask you today, has that happened to you? But then I also see something else. I see the reality of Peter's future. Jesus not only called attention to Peter's past, and he not only restored Peter, and he not only gave Peter some responsibility— But he showed Peter the reality of his future as a follower of Jesus Christ. And we see that in verse 18. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Peter, when you were younger, you guarded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will guard you and carry you where you do not wish. Uh, If we didn't have an interpretation of this verse in 19, we might could debate what Jesus was saying in that 18th verse. But Jesus explains what he's saying in verse 19. Thus, Jesus spoke. He said this, signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. Now, what Jesus was saying to Peter, he was saying, Peter, now that you've come to me, now that I've restored you, now that I've given you this responsibility to live for me here on this earth, let me tell you the reality of your future. He said, Peter, the reality of your future is you're going to suffer and you're going to die. You're going to suffer and you're going to die. And you say, Brian, that that sounds somewhat depressing. But my friends, it really isn't depressing. The reality of every Christian, the reality of every Christian's future, the reality of every person that genuinely is saved, the reality of every person that truly becomes a follower of Jesus Christ is that they are going to suffer and die. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it has been appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. The reality of our life is that we were not made for this earth. The reality of our existence is that this world is not the end. It is just a place that we're passing through. All of us are going to live a short time on this earth and we're going to die. But Jesus wasn't just talking to Peter about the reality of his physical death. He was saying more than that to Peter. Oh, Of course, he was saying that. He was, I think, reminding Peter, Peter, as a child of God, as a person that's been saved, as, as a disciple of mine, one day you're going to die physically because it's been appointed that all would die. But he was saying more than that. He was saying, I believe, Peter, you're also going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to die to your sin. You're going to have to die to your bad habits. You're going to have to die to your own will, your own desires. Those things are going to have to die. Why? Because now you're a child of God. Now you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a true born-again biblical Christian, you must die in order that Jesus Christ can live in you 
and through you. And my friends, I want you to see today that the reality of Peter's future is the reality of every Christian on the face of this earth. The reality of every Christian on the face of this earth is that as we know Christ and as we follow Christ and as we live for Christ between now and the time that we die physically, there is going to be suffering, difficulty, tribulation, persecution. There's going to be problems. There's going to be tragedy. There's going to be death. And and anybody that tells you that there's not going to be that is telling you something that's not biblical. Everybody that's telling you that if you come to Christ and you accept Christ and you become a follower of Christ, everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be rosy. There's not going to be any more problems in your life. They are telling you an absolute lie because the Bible says that every follower of Jesus Christ can expect to have temptation, can expect to have tribulation, can expect to have problems, can expect to have suffering. In fact, Jesus said of those that follow him, he said one of the things that will mark the life of those that are Christians, one of the things that will mark the life of those that are followers of Jesus Christ is they will take up their cross daily. Well, what's a cross good for? There's only two things that I know a cross is good for. One of them suffering People suffer on crosses, and the other one is dying. People die on crosses. And Jesus said that the Christian life, he said, if you want to know what the Christian life is about, Jesus said the Christian life is taking up your cross every day and following after me. So what does that mean? It means that part of my life is going to be a willingness to suffer, a willingness to suffer. It may be suffering of I'm willing to be different. I'm willing to be in the minority. I'm willing to be misunderstood. I'm willing to go through whatever I have to go through as a Christian, as a child of God. I'm willing to to be different from this world. I'm willing to suffer whatever I must suffer physically on this earth as I live out the Christian life and as I live out the Word of God and as I seek to follow Jesus Christ every day in my life. I'm willing to take up that cross. I'm willing to suffer whatever needs to be suffered in order that I might be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And then I'm also willing to die. I'm not just willing to die physically. I'm willing to die to myself I'm willing for my wrong emotions. I'm willing for my wrong attitudes. I'm willing for my disobedience. I'm willing for my little pet habits. I'm willing for my sin to die. I'm willing for anything that needs to die in my life to die, to be crucified, to be done away with in order that the will of God might rule and reign in my life. My friends, I want to ask you something today. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you had a moment in your life where you encountered Jesus Christ like Peter encountered Jesus Christ? Have you had a moment in your life where you professed with your mouth and believed with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead? Have you had that moment like Peter had when he made that profession of personal faith in Jesus Christ? Have you had that? And if you have, have you experienced the cleansing and the forgiveness that can come through Christ alone? Have you had 
that forgiveness and cleansing that can come only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ? Do you know today that your past has been forgiven and that your sin has been washed away and that it's been forgotten and that it's been forgiven? Peter had that, and I pray that we have that today. Have you been willing to take on the responsibility that Christ gives all of those who follow him to be a worker in his kingdom, to be a witness, to be an ambassador, to be a servant in the kingdom of God? Are you living for the Lord Jesus Christ today, or are you living for yourself or for the things of this world or for materialism or for sin? You see, the Bible says that we can't serve God and man. We can't serve God and things. We're either a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ today or we're not. We're either a follower and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ today or we're a servant of the world and of the things of the world. And have you accepted the reality of the Christian life? Uh, Or are you one of these people that want to embrace the prosperity gospel, the false teaching of the prosperity gospel, which is rampant throughout our country and around the world today. And that gospel is not the gospel of the Bible, but it's the gospel of sinful man that's telling people, if you will accept Jesus Christ, then you'll have everything that you want. If you'll accept Jesus Christ, you can do whatever you want to do. If you will accept Jesus Christ, you can live however you want to live. If you'll accept Jesus Christ, you can just uh, flood yourself and immerse your life with materialism and money. Money and things. My friends, that's not the gospel of the Bible. The gospel of the Bible is not a prosperity gospel. The gospel of the Bible is a gospel that says that a follower of Jesus Christ is somebody that takes up their cross every day, that is willing to suffer what needs to be suffered in order to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and in order to accomplish the will of God in my life and in the world. The gospel says that a Christian is someone that's willing to take up that cross daily, that's willing to allow whatever is in their life that needs to die, they're willing to let it die. They're willing to let Christ crucify whatever is in their life that needs to be crucified in order that Christ might rule and reign in their life. And then the last thing I see in this passage of Scripture, when I look at this interaction with Jesus and Peter, I see the reassurance that Peter wanted. It's interesting. Uh, Jesus has this encounter with Peter, and, and what Peter does immediately is he turns, in verse 20 it says, and turning, Peter saw another disciple. And the disciple that Peter sees in this passage of Scripture is John. John is the one that wrote the book that we're reading out of, the Gospel of John. John was one of those three people that were with Peter in that inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And then out of that inner circle, uh, we're, we, we come to understand as we read the Gospels that there was one, the beloved John, that was closer to Jesus than anybody else. And Peter knew that John had that kind of relationship with Jesus. And as Peter is coming to grips with the Christian life and the own reality, that he's going to have to be willing to suffer and even die uh, in his life if he's going to be the follower of Jesus that he needs to be. Peter, in that moment, he turns and he sees John, this disciple that's standing there, that's closer to Jesus than anybody else. And Peter looks at John and he says, but Lord, what about this man? What about John? And Jesus said to Peter, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. I think this is one of those passages of Scripture that just really shows 
how real and authentic Jesus Christ really is. Because in this passage of Scripture, what Peter is doing is he's wanting to be reassured. And we're that way. Uh, we're the type of people that uh, we're, we're able to suffer as long as everybody else is suffering. We're willing to endure something as long as everybody else has got to endure it too. Uh, we have this idea of equality, this idea of fairness that, that all of us deserve basically the same thing and the same kind of life and that nothing should happen to me that doesn't happen to somebody else. But I want to share with you today that that uh, is just not biblical. And, and what Peter does in this passage of Scripture is when he hears the reality of the Christian life and he sees how powerful that reality is, he turns around and he looks at John, the, the disciple that's closest to Jesus, and he says, what about him? The idea being, is he going to have to suffer too? Is he going to have to die too? Is he going to have to go through these same things that I'm going to have to go through? And what Jesus says to Peter is this, Peter, what business is it of yours what I do in John's life? What does it matter to you, Peter, if I let John stay on this earth in good health until I come back to earth? What is it to you? And I believe that's what Jesus is saying to us, because too many times we're looking around and we're saying, well, you know, why don't I have what they have? Or, or why, why am I not being blessed like they're being blessed? Or why can't what happened to them happen to me? Why can't I get what they have in their lives? And we're looking around and we become discouraged in the Christian life because we're wanting to be reassured that if I follow Jesus everything's going to be all right with me like it is with this person over here. Or if I follow Jesus, I'm going to be blessed in the same way that this person over here is blessed. And what Jesus is saying to us today is this, the very same thing that he said to Peter. He's saying, Brian, what is it to you what I do in this other person's life? What is it to you how I deal with this other person? You follow me. And my friends, that's what I want to encourage you to do today. Don't look around at other people and allow Satan to discourage you or allow Satan to tempt you to covet what other people have or to, or to compare yourself or your life or your family with, with other people and, and other scenarios that are going on around you because that is a temptation of Satan. That is a lie of Satan. That is a tool of Satan to keep you from being the faithful follower of Jesus Christ that you need to be. Here's what we need to do. We need to do exactly what Jesus said. We need to say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what that costs me. It doesn't matter what I have to suffer. It doesn't matter what has to die in my life. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what happens in somebody else's life. It doesn't matter if I have it worse than somebody else, harder than somebody else, different than somebody else. I am not going to judge my Christian life. I'm not going to determine my obedience and my faithfulness to Jesus Christ based on what he's doing in other people's lives. I have made a commitment. I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. And my friend, that's my prayer for me today. That's my prayer for you today, is that you would give some consideration to your past because we all have one. And all of our pasts remind us of the same thing. 
and that is that we're sinners in need of a Savior. All of our paths are the very same. They remind us that we've fallen short of the glory of God and that without Jesus Christ, we have no hope. But my friends, I'm telling you today, the good news of the gospel is that just as Peter was restored from his sin and his failure and his rejection, you and I can be restored from our sin and our failure and our rejection. And just as Peter was given responsibility to become a follower of Christ, to become a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I have been given that same responsibility. And I pray today that we have taken on that responsibility and that we are living for Jesus Christ. And just as Peter had a reality that part of the Christian life is learning to suffer and learning to die, learning to allow those things to die in our lives that need to die, I pray that all of us will be willing to let the things in our life that are keeping us from following Christ with everything that we are and everything that we have, whatever it is that's keeping us or holding us back, I pray that we would let those things be crucified today, that we would let those things die, that we might become genuine followers of Christ. And then I pray that we would not be looking around at others or comparing ourselves to others or our lives or our families to others, but I pray that we would say, Lord, I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to follow you. No matter what you do in my life, no matter what you do in somebody else's life, I'm going to follow you no matter what. My friends, I pray that for you today. Will you turn to Christ today? Will you allow him to forgive you and save you today? Will you allow him to come into your life and to restore you from your past? Will you take on the responsibility of being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you allow those things to die in your life that need to die? And will you commit yourself today that above all things, I'm going to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I may not make a lot of money. I may never have a lot of possessions, but I am going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ until the last day that I draw breath on this earth. My friends, I pray that that's the decision that all of us would make through faith and repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that commitment today, if you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins and give you a new life, we'd love to hear from you. Stay with us, and I'll give you our contact information in just a moment, as well as an offer for a free book about salvation. Our message today on Save to the Uttermost was titled, Faithful Followers of Jesus Christ. If you'd like a CD copy of the entire sermon, simply visit uttermostevangelism.org. There you'll find details on how to order, or click on Sermons to stream it and Brian's other sermons. That website, again, is uttermostevangelism.org. If you'd prefer to write us, just send a letter to Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. That's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi. That's spelled P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. You can also phone us at 662 672-1912, 662-1912. One nine one two. 
As I mentioned, we'd like to send you a free copy of a book that Brian has written entitled Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. It examines five aspects of salvation, why people need to be saved, how God has made salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. Just contact us and we'll send you a copy of the book absolutely free as our gift to you. Brian Tyndall is the founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism. Brian has been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for over a quarter century and has pastored churches and preached revivals and evangelistic meetings in the United States, South America, Africa, and in Europe. Today, Brian ministers through Uttermost Evangelism as a full-time missionary evangelist. Uttermost Evangelism and the Save to the Uttermost broadcast are funded by the generous gifts of people just like you. Your support helps further kingdom growth. Send your tax-deductible donation to P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863, or visit uttermostevangelism.org. Thanks for listening today, and join us again next time. And remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him. God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.